I want you to look this way. And for a few minutes, I'm going to speak on ain't no grave. Now, that's colloquialism, but it's good preaching. A lady said to me one night, said, man, Brother Mays, he was talking about sopping up biscuit gravy, said, don't you know that's poor English? I said, honey, it's good sopping, just the same. It may not be the finest English in the country. My subject may not be the best subject, but I'm glad ain't no grave going to hold my body down. I remember years ago, I was in Jerusalem, and like most Baptist preachers, I didn't pay any attention to signs, and I went into a cemetery. And when I got in that cemetery, it sounded like a bunch of guineas. And they started screaming to me to get out. And when I got out, I said, what did I do wrong? And a man said to me, they say that one day back yonder these graves opened up. And some got up out of the graves and went down in Jerusalem and were seen of many. I said, they say. I said, no, not they. God says that. That when Jesus died on that cross, many of those graves opened, and they laid in those graves for three days. And after three days, when he got up, brother, they got up and went home. I see a little old Jewish boy down there saying, Mama, it's been sad since Daddy left. And about that time, he's brushing his teeth, looking out the window, and he said, but yonder he comes, thank God. He's been resurrected from the dead. One of these mornings, brother, we'll say, there they come. They come forth from the dead, and we'll sing and shout, and praise the Lord for the resurrection. I'm glad, thank God, for the resurrection. I've got a good friend over in Ella J., Georgia. He's the sheriff. And I don't like him for that, but he's the mortician, and I like him less for that. Say amen. I don't care about undertakers. I like him uptakers. Praise God. I never could care for the undertaker. But I was up there with Brother Billy one day, and he said, Mace, I think you know a man that I have here in the funeral home. I want you to go back and look at his body. I slipped back to the display room. I looked at the man. I said, Billy, I don't know him. He said, did you know I've embalmed him? And he can't do a thing. I said, you're wrong. A dead man can do two things. You say, what can he do? Number one, he can hear the voice of God. I'm glad and they shall hear his voice. And they'll come out of that grave. Hallelujah. When your mother died, you can cry. And you should cry. But you'll never make her hear you. But if Jesus, when he leans over heaven and said, Mother, come on out of there, bless God. That old graveyard's going to look like a pepper box lid. And Jesus Christ is going to call them out of the grave. Thank God and the Lamb forever. But the three things in this chapter that Paul said, number one, he said, If Jesus be not risen from the dead, Three things he said wrong. First, your preaching's wrong. He said, you're preaching in vain. I'm glad for preaching. I've heard preachers say, well, I've had such a hard time. Listen to me. I've had the best time in my life. I wouldn't exchange it for anything else in the world. And I go and lie down at night. I can say, Jesus, I told them that one day you left the ivory palaces of heaven and you came down to this world. And you treated like a tramp on the street. You were nailed to the cross. But on the third day, you got up out of that grave and said, I'm healed. 
alive and dead, but I'm alive forevermore. Amen. What a blessing. Preaching. There's a boy named Robert McShaney. He preached himself to death. He died when he was 29 years old. And the doctor said when he made the autopsy, autopsy, he said, Robert died. He preached himself to death. Oh, they said he had pneumonia. He said, no, he didn't. He preached himself to death. We ought to have some men, brother, that'll preach themselves to death. And the Bible says God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. This crowd out yonder tonight in the world, they think we're crazy in the church singing and shouting and saying amen and listening to the Word of God. They think we're crazy. But the Bible said if that tomb still has Jesus in it, if Jesus be not risen first, he said, your preaching's been in vain. I knew a man, and he preached with me. He's 113 years old. And we had the awfulest time. He preached against things. Now, I'm not against things, but there wasn't anything he didn't preach against. His name was Brother Aker. And he'd get up, and he'd preach against flea markets. I can remember twice, but I liked them pretty good. Say amen. But he preached against my flea markets. He preached against everything. And I said to Brother Aker, I said, how long you been saved? He said, I've been saved for 92 years. I said, how long you been preaching? Oh, he said, for 90 years. I've left home and I've left family and I've gone up and down the trails of this country and preached that Jesus loves this world and Jesus died on a cross for all that would believe and Jesus is coming back again. And you know what? He was a Baptist because he gave me a dollar. Amen. I still got that dollar. He signed it. He died two years later and I walked over to the cash and I said, Brother Aker, you preached for 92 years now. You've been saved 94 years. Thank God. I said for the life of a preacher that'll give himself totally to God. There's nothing, brother, that can compare. Old John the Baptist, the Bible said, Matthew 3 and verse 1, in those days came John preaching. He didn't come giving out camel hairs. Uh, he didn't come giving camel rides. He didn't come, bless God, with some, uh, you know, uh, Maybe a clown, he came just preaching. Boy, he said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And John the Baptist was a preacher. Listen to me, Jesus said. Paul, you tell him, if Christ is still in that grave, your preaching is in vain. Number two, he said, if your faith is in me and I'm still in that grave, he said, it's in vain. My little old mother was a mountain mother. Now, I've always said this, and a lot of people don't like it, but I said, anyway, if you wasn't born in one of three places, I'm sorry for you. If you wasn't born on a cotton mill, on a farm of the mountains, you're in bad shape. I'll tell you now. But, oh, my little old mother was born up there in the mountains. And I remember back during the Depression, we didn't have everything in the house that we should have had. But my mother would say, I'm going out to the junk house. 
Y'all call it utility building. You don't even know what it says now. My mother said, I'm going out to the doubts of the junk house, and I'm going to get on my knees and pray God will put some meal in the barrel. Now, I went down here to State College, and Mr. Wynn was my teacher, one of my teachers. And he got up one day and he said, there's nothing to prayer. Anybody prove there's anything to prayer? And I wasn't even a Christian at that time. And I raised my hand and I said, Professor Wynn, I want to tell you a little story. Then you tell me if there's anything to prayer. I said, I have a little godly, old-fashioned shouting mother up there in Hendersonville, North Carolina. And I said, when our meal barrel would get empty, she didn't go and expect the government to put something in. She'd go back to that little old junk house, get down on her knees and say, Father, you promised that you'd supply every need according to your riches and glory for Christ Jesus. And I said, Mr. Wynn, about an hour and a half, my mother would come out of that junk house waving that handkerchief and singing, I've just heard from heaven, and it's all right now. And boy, listen to me. There's 1,500 students started clapping. I said, wait a minute, I'm not through. I said, Mr. Wynn, who put some meal in that barrel? He looked at me and said, we better get away from the subject. I said, no. I said, God still answers prayer. Oh, I'm glad, thank God, that we can live godly and soberly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. All right, look at this. He said, your faith in vain. Brother, we're to live by faith. The Bible said the just shall live by faith. Now, faith is the substance of things not seen. And, mister, if you're going to heaven, you're going by faith. You're not going because you're a Baptist. You're not going, bless God, because that you don't do this or you don't do that. You're going because one day you acknowledge that He came from heaven and He died for your sins and He paid the price that you might be saved and it's by faith. Not another work lest we uh, look up and say, look what we did. It's the gift of God. I'm glad, thank God tonight, my faith rests in Him. My faith is in this old book that's never been shaken. My faith is still alive tonight. Hallelujah. What a wonderful thing. But uh, Paul said, if Jesus is still not in the ground, he said, your faith is in vain. Let me mention one other thing. He said, if Jesus is not risen from the dead. He said, your loved one that died in the Lord's perished. Oh, the end came, and you walked away from that grave. And I want to tell you, if they were saved, and you're saved, thank God, when you walked away from that grave, you could just salute and say, I'll meet you in the morning. Thank God, I'll see you on the other side. And what a blessing, mister, that is. Now, I'm ready to start preaching, and I should be winding up. Let me give you three things that's going to happen to this old body. Three things that's going to happen to your old body. Oh, you say, I, I, I dress it up and I pants it up. Yeah, we get the warts off, you know, and we get this cream, and that's all right. Praise God, I guess. I don't know. But, you know, my wife doesn't have a spot. She's 69 years old. She don't have a wrinkle. 
My wife doesn't have a wart. You know who, who, who she gives glory to? Jesus. And she'll tell you if you meet my wife. He's kept me all of these years. Said to live with a Baptist preacher 50-something years and to live in this life and not have old age wrinkles. She said, it's been wonderful. She don't look old. She said to me, she said, Mace Jackson, I want to tell you something. He has kept me. And I said, thank God he's kept me. I fell out of the bus the other day in Jerusalem, rolled down the hill. Looks like tonight I've fallen out many other times, but bless God, I'm here to shout and praise and to give God glory for what God has done and what a blessing it is. But as I told you, and I'm not going to take time tonight, I went to the tomb one morning. I went there before daylight. I went in, I said to Solomon, I said, Solomon, I'm going in that tomb, and I'm going to put my feet where his feet had been, my head where his head had been. Solomon, I'll see you after a while. I took the key, and I went in, and boy, they were out there singing, he arose, he arose, victorious over his foes. And when I got through and the power of God hit me, I ran out of that tomb. So fact, they thought the second resurrection had taken place. And we shouted all over that place. I'm glad he's, it's empty. I'm glad that it doesn't have the Savior. Thank God. Come and see where they laid him. I want you to know, brother, he got up and he didn't have to have a hell. Thank God he stepped out in front of that thing. And the angel rolled that stone away. You say so he could get out and oh so we could get in. Praise God. He didn't have to have it raised and he didn't have to have it rolled back. But quickly, let me go back to verse 35. said, what kind of body a man will say? What will they look like in the resurrection? I was down the other day and had part in Brother Seidler's funeral. Miss Seidler said, go look at Papa. I wish I hadn't looked at him. She said, go look at Papa Mays. And I went over there and had him in that little chapel. And he was wrinkled and old. And I looked down at that body and I said, the next time I see you, you'll be young. And I do believe this. I don't believe there'll be babies in heaven. Somebody said, I believe them, you know. I believe every baby that died. Is going to come forth as the perfect man. And praise God. He talked about a time. I believe we'll be around 33 years old. And we'll have a time forever and forever and forever. What a glorious thing it's going to be. But I want to say with this man, what kind of body will they have? Number one, this old body will be raised in a new direction. Thank God. This body was birthed in the wrong direction. It was headed for a hole in the sky or in the ground. This new body I'm going to have will be headed for a hole in the sky. And praise God, it's a different direction. I was headed down, now I'm headed up. And the new body will have a new direction, a new dimension, mister. We need to sh shout for victory over that tonight. You say, Preacher Mays, is it good? It's wonderful. This body's under the curse. My daddy used to say to me, he said, when you get 40, you won't have to listen to the S.O. reporter to find out if it's going to rain tomorrow. 
said you can feel it in your bones. I thought when I was about 16, isn't that foolish? But when I got 40, Lord, I had more pain than S.O. reporter had. And I knew what he was talking about. But let me tell you something. This body has a curse upon it. If you'll turn to Genesis chapter 3, it says the curse fell upon four things when Adam and Eve sinned and ate of that forbidden fruit. First, it fell upon the serpent. Now, I'm scared of snakes. I'm scared of four kinds of snakes. Big ones, little ones, dead ones, and live ones. I don't want to be around snakes. Bless God, I don't like snakes. But the Scripture says in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, he's called the Shining One. And his belly is the prettiest part about him. Mine used to be pretty till it fell three stories. Amen. Amen. But that serpent was the shining one. And he came beautifully and he deceived the Eve. Adam, listen to me. Adam was deceived. But Eve was not deceived. She knew what had happened and she sinned. And the curse fell upon four things. First, the curse fell upon the serpent. And God said, the rest of your days, you'll call on your belly. And he said, secondly, he said, all the days of your life, you'll eat the dust of the ground. You know what that old serpent eats? He eats dirt. God said he'd eat dirt. But God said he'd let us eat the fat of the land. Say amen. He said, let us eat. At the table of God, boy, I'm glad for these many years I've been able to sit down and eat at the blessed table of God. And it's the best table you've ever eaten from, the table of the Lord. And he said that serpent shall have a curse upon him. Number two, he said the woman's going to have a curse upon him. Now, most women rebel against this, but he said it'll be twofold. He said, first of all, when you bring a child in this world... You'll bring a child into this world in pain and in sorrow. And every mother knows what it is uh, to bring a child into this world and how the suffering is. And then the second part of that curse, he said, and your husband shall rule over thee. Say amen. Now you know that's all to be, all to be so. But most of these women are bossy. Why, some of you men are so hen-pecked, you, you roost on the end of the bed and I say amen. Amen. And we need to do what the Bible says. The man is the head of the house. Even as Christ is the head, Mr. of the church. Amen. Amen. I was reading the Bible one time to my wife. You don't know her. And her brother Joe back there, many of you know Doc. And I was reading, I said, listen to this, Sister Jackson. Wives, obey your husband. She acted like she wasn't even listening. I said, listen, Sister Jackson, wives, obey your husband. She said, read on down. I said, why take it out of context? Let's read what the Bible says, and you won't have anything to worry about. I call my wife every day, half for 50 years, over 50 years. I have one of those 800 numbers don't cost. I call it. I remember several years ago I called her and I said, Shout down there in Atlanta, Sister Jackson. And he, and, and he got quite his death. And I said, Are you still on the line? I said, Shout down there. 
She said, if I could lay up in the bed all day and eat tea on steaks, I could shout at night too, praise God. <laughs> and the next night I called and I said, shout down there. She said, this is slave department. What can I do for you? But, up there, but you put her down. The Bible said the husband is to be the head of the wife. Even as Christ is to be the head of the church. And we need to see that part of the church. What a blessing. Then as man, he's got a curse on him. Washington says we'll take it off, but they will not take it off. God, you can put her down. It's going to be a curse on man. He said, first of all, by the sweat of your face. Now, my granddaddy was a good man. He loved God up there in the mountains, but he misquoted the Bible. He said, by the sweat of your brow, don't say brow. It said, if you sweat, you'll sweat the whole face. And Adam, you're going out there and you're going to work for what you eat. And your face is going to sweat. And then he said, you'll see us. Undertaker taking a body down there to the grave. Yeah. He said that's part of the curse. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Okay. And mister, that's part of the curse tonight. But one day the curse shall be lifted. Yeah. Then there's the curse, my friend, that falls on the earth. Right. Now he's going to the Holy Land a couple of weeks. And if you don't go with him, you'll miss the blessing. When you ride over those Alps and see the beauty. When you ride down and see what they have down there near Jerusalem, it's beautiful, but it's got a curse on it. You wait till God takes that curse off of this earth and takes the briars away from the roses and takes the curse away. Boy, it's going to be the most beautiful place you've ever seen. And you don't know how to appreciate what you've got up here in the mountains. Oh, you look at them and you say, well, it just happened to be. I want you to know God says that the glory of God is in the heavens and we ought to glory what God's given unto us and the blessings that we have. The curse. So that first thing I want to say, when that old body comes forth, it'll be in a new direction. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm headed for a new country. I'm going to a new place, brother, when I die. Oh, you say, Brother Mays, what a blessing it is to know that the direction will be turned around. Number two, quickly write this down. That old body will come forth in a new durability. Now, the older you get, the weaker you'll be. You say, my feet will never falter. I used to be a real good friend of Dad Spear. His name was G.T. Spear. And old Dad would be in my meetings, and he'd take Mom and put his arm around her. And they'd sing, I'm bound for that city. Oh, they'd sing and shout. And listen, he'd do a little dance once in a while. And he said to me, he said, you know, if all Baptists is like you, I'm a Nazarene. But I joined the Baptist church. And I said, would you? And we got ready to leave. He said, Maze, I'll meet you in heaven. I said, be careful. You might tell a line, wind up in hell. I said, I got eternally saved. You can lose yours, and I can't. I said, brother, I'm sealed until the day of redemption. And praise the Lord. What a blessing that is. But oh, we'll have strong bodies. It'll be wonderful. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Oh, that's going to be... Here's the scripture I have a hard time with. I believe it because the Bible says it. I don't care what the Bible says. I believe it. 
I don't argue with it. I believe it. Somebody said, the Bible said, without holiness, no man will see God. No, the Bible don't say that. It said, follow peace and holiness without which. What do you do if you follow something? You don't catch up with it. But brother, every day you're saved after you find Jesus. Brother, you seek to please God and you love holiness and righteousness and godly living. What a blessing that is. Here it is. You'll be strong. Oh, there'll be no sickness. I said to the doctor the other day and he looked me in the face and said, you're going to die. I looked him back in the face and I said, bless God, you're going to die too, honey. You put that down. And he looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, the Bible said uh, that it's appointed unto man once to die. And I said, that's the judgment. I'm going to die. You're going to die. But when that old body's raised, mister, we'll have a body like his glory. And you talk about a time, children. We're going to have a time. You know what's in heaven tonight? There's only one thing in heaven made the man. The wounds in the side and the hands and the feet of Jesus. That's the only thing. God made everything else in heaven. Oh, he made them streets. And listen, uh, the streets, it don't say streets. Heaven won't have but one street, and it's pure gold. Amen? That's what we'll have, one street. Everybody's going to live on Main Street, and they get to heaven. Some of you are going to be almost say, well, I'll live down. No, you won't. Bless God, you'll live on that street. That's paid as paid as it were pure gold. Thank God. But if some of you Baptists get there, you'll dig up the street before, praise God, before dark. That's right. And it's sad when you find that out. But listen to me. That new body will be strong. You won't have to worry about rubbing all of that old rub on your knees. You don't have to worry about taking aspirins. You don't have to worry about pain for... Thank God back there, pain. You better listen to this. The Bible says, and pain shall be no more. Our Heavenly Father, we bow before you in, in, in humbleness, just in awe at your precious word and how wonderful it is to be able to listen to the word and allow the word to work 